I want you to open your Bibles this morning to the book of 2 Corinthians to find the 5th chapter and the 17th verse. I'm going to talk about the truth that conquers. Truth that overcomes. Truth that conquers. I was sitting uh, upstairs and was writing out the message that I was going to preach this morning. And um, just as the Holy Spirit impressed things upon my heart, I would write them down. And I got caught up in the message. I just got caught up in what I was writing. And, and I started saying, well, that sounds like an amen. And I said, amen. And I got to praising the Lord and enjoying my own sermon before I ever preached it. Now, I hope you enjoy it near as much as I did. Because I tell you, I got excited. Man, I, I just, uh, uh, just had a good time. You know, the truth is this. The Christian life is a spiritual battle. I mean, it's a battle, y'all. We need to tell new Christians especially, you need to understand, you're saved and you're secure in Christ, but I'm telling you, till you get to heaven, you are in a spiritual battle. I mean, the great man of God who influenced Christianity more than any other person other than Jesus. Paul said, when he came to the end of his life, listen to what he said. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Listen, he was in a battle. You say, well, I know he was beaten and in jail. No, I'm talking about he's in a battle with the devil, the world and the flesh. Now, in, in any battle, you have to know the weapons, you have to know the methods, you have to know the strategy, you have to know the plans of the enemy. You are foolish to go to battle, not knowing the weapons that the enemy uses against you. You're foolish not, not to know in the battle his plans, his strategy, and his methods. I was thinking of four uh, weapons or methods or plans that the enemy uses. Oh, I'm not going to spend much time on these because I want to talk about the truth that overcomes. But you know, know, one of the enemy's greatest weapons against us is fear. In fact, let me just give you one verse. Now, why did God describe Satan and his demons this way? It says in... In First Peter 5, be sober. That means be alert. Be vigilant. That means be on guard. Your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may harass, intimidate, or devour. Why does a lion roar? To strike fear in the heart of its prey. So I'm telling you, you've got to understand that this battle we're fighting with the world, the flesh, and the devil, and Satan and his demons is a battle where the enemy uses fear to paralyze us. And I don't know what fears you're fighting, but I'm going to tell you, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Another weapon that the enemy uses is the weapon of accusation. 
Do you realize that Satan is called the accuser of the brethren? And one weapon he uses is to accuse us. Accuse us of past sins, of past failures, of past decisions that were not right. He loves to come and accuse us and beat us down. Well, the Bible, listen to what the Bible says about him as the accuser. It says in Revelation 10, 12, 10, and 11, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and power of Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren who accused them before God day and night has been cast down. Did you hear what he said? It says God's power and the kingdom of Christ has come because the accuser of the brethren, that's us, who accuses us before God day and night has been cast down. And the next verse says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Let me give you an example of the accuser of the brethren. God was said one day to the devil, Well, what do you think of my servant Job? There's no righteous one like him in the earth. And the devil said, Well, the only reason Job worships you and the only reason Job, Job praises you, if you blessed him so much, look at his family, look at his wealth, look at his riches. If he didn't have any of that, see, he was accusing Job before God. He said he wouldn't do that at all. And you know the rest of the story in the book of Job. So I'm telling you, the enemy uses fear. And some of you need to understand that you're not, you don't need to give in to those fears. That's where the power of Jesus comes in. And the other thing he uses to accuse us. Well, who are you to pray? And who are you to follow Jesus? And who do you worship? You know, you're not perfect. And boy, he is, a, he is an accuser of us before God day and night. And another weapon that he uses is not only fear and accusation, but condemnation. Now, you've got to understand the difference between conviction of sin and condemnation. Conviction of sin is when we do something wrong, when we sin against God, and the Holy Spirit convicts us. And then we confess that. Yes, I agree with you, God. It is a sin. I confess it. I, I, I repent, and I don't want that in my life. Immediately, God forgives us, and God forgets about it, and it's under the blood of Christ. But you know what condemnation is. No matter if you have confessed the sin no matter if you know God's forgiven you and it's under the blood of Christ, the enemy will just condemn you and condemn you and condemn you and keep bringing it up. He is, I'll tell you, condemnation, a spirit of condemnation is one of the weapons that the enemy uses to push us down and to keep us from being what God says. But let me tell you what the Bible says. In Romans 8, 1 and 2, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation. Now, you know what the word no means? It means no. There is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. Fear, accusation, condemnation. The enemy comes against us with those weapons. And then, of course, there is the weapon of deception. The Bible says the devil is a liar. And he's the father of of lies. And so he comes against us with deception. And never has there been any more deception than there is in this day in which we're living. Listen to how 2 Corinthians 11 verses 13 through 15 talks about the deception. It says, 
For such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into into apostles of Christ. No wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. You know, I can understand a roaring lion and how it brings fear. But let me tell you something. Here Satan doesn't come as a roaring lion. He comes as an angel of light. And it says his ministers minister, quote, unquote, in righteousness, but it's a false righteousness. Hey, you talk about deception. You talk about lies. One of his biggest weapons today, the Bible speaks about the doctrines of demons. So this is the the weapons we're fighting against. This is the, the methods and the plans of the enemy. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 uh, th- uh, toward, through 21, let me tell you how the truth overcomes all that. I mean, you know these verses, but I am telling you, if th- this is what's been so strong in me. If verses 17 through 21 of 2 Corinthians 5, if you know this and you believe this, and you receive this, and you obey this, confess it, you will overcome every weapon that the the enemy uses against you. You see, it's knowing the truth, but wait a minute, it is believing the truth, it is receiving the truth, confessing the truth, when accusation or condemnation or lies or whatever comes against you. Now, Now listen to these awesome words. In 1 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away and all things become new. Now, I want you to notice how this one verse comes against condemnation, comes against accusation, comes against the lies of the devil. It comes against all of those things that the enemy uses against us. It comes against fear. Notice what it says. If anyone be in Christ. Do you know? That's the safest place in the world to be. That's the most powerful place in the world to be. Think about it. If any person is in Christ. You know, the great message of the Bible is that as believers, now, oh God, by your spirit, let us hear this. Jesus Christ did not save us and leave us and go sit at the right hand of the Father in high. No, he came back to indwell us in the person of the Holy Spirit. And today, sitting here, if you are a child of God, here is your confession that you are in Christ. And man, when you're in Christ, you don't have to be afraid. And when you're in Christ, you don't have to worry about the accusation and condemnation and all of that uh, lies and deception of the devil. The Bible says we are in Christ. Now, now look at the second thing it says. When you're in Christ, and by the way, that's what Galatians 2.20 says. If any, we're crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. So we're not only in Christ, but look at the next thing in that verse. It says, old things are passed away. What a magnificent truth. 
old things are passed away. That's who you were before you met Christ. It was what you were, what you did. It was you without Jesus Christ. It's called the old things are passed away. You're in the, you're in the, you're in the kingdom of darkness. You're in the kingdom of darkness. And, and sin, your sin nature was absolutely in control of your life. But now we're in Christ. And he says, let me tell you something. Old things, old things, what you were, what you did, old things are passed away. So how can the devil accuse you when you know that, that that's not against my record anymore? I have no record. My slate is clean. Old things are passed away. That, that sin and that rebellion and that going of your own way was washed away by the blood of Christ. And so how do you answer uh, accusation and condemnation and fear? How do you answer that? I'll tell you how. You say, I'm in Christ. And old things, old things are passed away. My sins and iniquities, God remembers no more. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed my transgressions from me. But notice the next part of that verse. Not only are we in Christ, not only are old things passed away, but look at the rest of it. And all things become new. Hey, God just doesn't get rid of the old. But God imparts to us the new. You know what that new is? It says we're a new creation. Hey, we got a new nature. Before we, were, we lived and were controlled by the nature of Adam. Let me tell you something. You know why it's so easy to sin? You, you know why this world is rampant and controlled by lawlessness and wickedness and sin? Because men and women are born with a sinful nature. Listen, I don't have to convince anybody. That people are born with a nature that is prone to sin and that is a sinful nature. It is obvious in the world that we live in. You know, I, I mean, a person is born with a sinful nature. I, I got to thinking about that one time, how you never have to teach people how to sin. You never do. My mother never called me in when I was a little boy. I said, Fred, come on in. I want to teach you how to sin. We're going to practice sin. No, she was always telling me no. I thought my middle name was no. No. Don't do that. Because I had a nature that was in me that was selfish and self-centered and wanted to go its own way. But let me tell you, where you're in Christ, old things are passed away. Now you're a partaker of the divine nature. A partaker of the divine nature. And now you're no longer in the kingdom of darkness. That old kingdom of darkness that you were living in is passed away. You're in the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God's dear son. All things has become new, a new nature, a new kingdom. You're in a new family. God is your father. Jesus is your savior. The Holy Spirit is your indweller. Hey, all things become new, a new nature, a new family, a new body, the body of Christ, a new kingdom. Satan comes and tries to make you afraid. He comes and accuses you. And he comes and condemns you. And he comes and lies to you, one of his demon spirits. And you say, you are a liar. I am a new creation in Christ. 
Old things are passed away. My past is under the blood of Jesus. And all things are become new. I, am a, I have a new nature. I'm in a new family. I've got a new kingdom. And I've got a new body. All things are become new. Let me tell you how you overcome the strategy of the enemy. It's by knowing, believing, receiving, and confessing the truth of God. The enemy cannot stand before the truth of God. The Bible says the Word of God is alive. The Word of God is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides us under joints and marrow, soul and spirit, and it discerns the thoughts and intentions of our heart. Oh, listen, the enemy cannot stand before the truth. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. Every time he speaks, he lies. But he comes to us and accuses us and condemns us and tries to make us afraid and tries to deceive us. But we speak the truth. We confess the truth. I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things are passed away and all things are become new. Now, now let me show you something else. This is all a work of God. I want you to look at the next verse. Look at verse 18. I I don't believe there's any passage in the Bible that is more comprehensive than this. Verse 17 says, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. You say, well, now, Brother Fred, how does that happen? How How do I become a new creation? How are old things passed away? How do all things become new? Now, don't miss this. It says, now all things are of God. Oh, this is the work of God. All things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Hey, salvation, forgiveness is the work of God. It's not a work. See, you, you, you didn't earn the right to be a new creature. You didn't earn the right for your sins to be forgiven and passed away. You, you didn't earn the right to have a new name. No, listen. It is the work of God. Don't miss that. Underline it. It says, now all these, all things are of God. Salvation is the gift of God. It is the work of God purchased through Jesus Christ on the cross and his precious blood. And it is the work of God that sanctifies us and helps us to grow in Jesus. Listen. I'm so glad that salvation is not my work. I'm so glad it's the work of God. And what God does is eternal. And what God does will last forever. And what God does is greater than anything the enemy could ever do. It's all of God. A new creation. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. It is the work of God. And notice what God did. Look at verse 18. Don't miss this. All things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Listen, there's so much truth here. It was the work of God that sent his son from heaven. It was the work of God that had his son born of a virgin in the manger in Bethlehem. It was the work of God when his son Jesus lived a sinless life in the carpenter's shop in Nazareth. It was the work of God when for three years Jesus healed the sick, 
opened the eyes of the blind, raised the dead, spoke as no one ever ever spoken, spoke the truth with authority. It was all the work of God. It was the work of God when Jesus Christ died on the cross in our place. And hallelujah, it was the work of God when God raised him from the dead. And it was the work of God when God seated him at the right hand of the Father. And it'll be the work of God when Jesus comes back again. And let me tell you why God did that work. To reconcile us to himself. You see, I got good news. Before Christ came into your life, you were separated from God. Separated. The Bible says in Isaiah, your sins and iniquities have separated from you and your God. But when Christ comes into our life, we are reconciled to God. We're no longer separated. Do you understand? I'm not separated from God this morning. He's my Father. He's my Father. I've been reconciled to Him through Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something. If you're a child of God, you're not separated from God. He is your Father. And you have been reconciled to Him through Jesus Christ. All things are of God who has reconciled us to Himself. It means we're no longer separated. It means we're no longer strangers. It means we're no longer his enemy. It means that we are members of the family of God. Hey, it's the work of God. He reconciled us to himself. Now listen to this, through Jesus Christ. Folks, the only way anybody can ever be reconciled to God is through Jesus Christ. That's the only way. Jesus said, I am the way I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He didn't say, I am a way. He didn't say, I am a part of the truth. He says, I am one of many lives. Oh, no, 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 no. The only way you can ever be reconciled to God is through Jesus Christ. He is the one who died for you. He is the one who was raised for you. He is the one who lives for you. Hey, it's a work of God. He has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. It is the work of God. But you notice, you'll notice, notice another thing. He reconciled us to himself. He didn't reconcile us to religion. <laughs> he didn't reconcile us to a life of good works. He reconciled us to himself. Because God created you for himself. Did you know God created you for himself? Oh, yeah. He created the animals, but that didn't satisfy the nature and heart of God. So God said, let's make man in our image. And reconciliation is not about going to heaven. Praise God, I'm going there. If you've got Christ in your heart, you're going there. It's not about heaven. It's about being reconciled to God on this earth. Reconciled us to himself. It's a relationship. Oh, that's what it is. Somebody uh, told me the other day, a friend of theirs who's not a Christian, says uh, they, they were going to ask him a question, said, now, uh, so-and-so said, now, you're religious. Uh, what do you think about this question? <laughs> and, and my friend said, no, I'm not religious. said, I'm a Christian. It's not about religion. It's about having a relationship with Jesus Christ, relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. And you need to understand it's all about a relationship. God reconciled us to himself. 
And that's the bottom line, that we could be one with him, a partaker of his nature, and could have intimate fellowship with him. You know, the fact that we've been reconciled to God means that God is our Father, and that Jesus Christ is our Savior, and the Holy Spirit is our Comforter. But you know, that there are a couple of things that I just want to mention. Here's the key verse. Every one of those verses is important. 17 and 18. Read verse 19 with me. That is, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Amen. Not imputing their trespasses to them. That is very important. God didn't charge your sin to you. He charged it to uh, his son. Now, let, let me go back and say this. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing that means to charge against your account. When you go to, to Dillard's or any other store or whatever, it's a, whether it's a grocery store, and I guess half of you must have been in Publix. If you go to any store and you put that credit card down through there, you just charged those groceries to your account. You imputed that charge to your account. Hey, when Jesus died on the cross, God took our sins and charged them to Jesus. He paid for them. Oh yeah, he paid for them. It says here, he's not imputing. He's not charging our sin to us. Not imputing our transgressions against us. Not imputing our transgressions against us. And has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Verse 20. We're ambassadors for Christ. As though God did plead with you through us, we implore you in Christ's name. This is what we say to people. Be reconciled to God. God's already done it. It's a work of God. You can be reconciled. We, we know Jesus. We're his ambassadors. Would you be reconciled to him? That, that's our hope. We love you. We hate your sin, but we love you. We're not condemning you. Jesus didn't come to condemn you. We love you. But oh, our, we, we, we implore you. We plead with you. Be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God through the death of of his son. And here's the verse I want to just dwell on for just a few minutes. He made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That verse, to me, along with 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18, it's like God said, I want to sum it all up for you. What I've just said, he said, then I want you to hear me. He said, I made Jesus to be sin for you. He knew no sin that you might become the righteousness of God in him. And, and I've thought how many ways to say that. But let me tell you the best way I ever know to say it is Jesus took your sin and gave you his righteousness. I mean, it's called the great exchange. He made him to be sin for us. Who knew no sin. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. So Jesus took your sin. It's called the filthy rags of your righteousness. And he gave you his perfect righteousness. Now. There are two or three things you can see here. Here's the first one. 
Jesus, the sinless Son of God, became sin for us. Now, that's the gospel. It's called the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ. He took our place. It's that simple. When he died on the cross, your name was written across his heart. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you. He made him to be sin for us. So there your name was written on the heart of the Son of God as he hung on that cross. Jesus Christ became Jesus Christ, the sinless Son of God. The sinless Son of God. Can I give you a verse that will let you know that Jesus was sinless? You know what it says in Hebrews chapter 4? It says, seeing then we have such a great high priest that is passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. He said, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our infirmities. Now listen to what he said. But was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. This is what he says. Jesus is our great high priest. He represents us to God and represents God to us. And let me tell you something. He understands your weakness. He understands how you're tempted. He understands how the world, the flesh, and the devil pulls on you. Jesus understands. He said, because you know. Now get this. He was in all points tempted like we are. Did you know he was tempted in every way I'm tempted? You say, wait a minute. Yeah, I'm telling you. I'm just reading the word of God to you. He was in all points tempted like we are. And so I say, Jesus, you don't understand how strong temptation is. You don't understand about it. He says, what do you mean I don't understand? I do understand. I was tempted just like you are, yet without sin. Jesus is the sinless Son of God. He made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. But it says here, not only that Jesus is the sinless Son of God, this verse, but listen to me carefully. Jesus, the sinless Son of God, became sin for us. Did you know that God actually placed his sin on you? He actually placed his sin on Jesus. He actually placed your sin on Jesus. There are so many verses, but I want to give you um, a couple of verses. I'm going to make a statement, and then I want to show you how it's true from the Word of God. Jesus, the sinless Son of God, okay, tempted as we are yet without sin. Number two, Jesus, the sinless Son of God, was made sin for us. He took our sin. All sin, past, present, and future, were placed on Jesus when he was on the cross. The Bible says he died for the sins of the whole world. He died for every person's sin. And all sin, past, present, and future, was placed on Jesus. Once and for all, he paid the full price for sin. He was made sin for us. And man, that is so clear. In 2 Peter, 1 Peter, I want you to, uh, 
listen at this, where it talks about how Jesus uh, became sin for us. It says in verse 21, for to this you were called because Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Now listen to verse 22, who committed no sin. Just like I just said, he was a sinless son of God. Peter says he committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile again. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Now here it is, who himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. He, Jesus himself, bore your sins in his body on the cross. So, Jesus, the sinless son of God, was made sin for us. He bore our sins in his body on the tree. Over and over again it tells us that Jesus took our sins. He was made sin for us. It says in Hebrews Chapter 10, verses 12 through 14, listen to this. Talking about Jesus and how all sin, past, present, and future were laid on him. It says in Hebrews 10, verse 10, for by one, for by one, for, for, for by one sacrifice, he made one sacrifice for sin forever. The Bible says that Jesus made one sacrifice Hebrews 10, for sin forever. And he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And then it says in in verse 14, by one offering, by one offering, he perfected those who are being sanctified. So he bore our sins in his body on the tree. He made one sacrifice for sin forever. Then you could go on over and read read in... um, 1 John 2, 2, and he is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. You can read in Isaiah 53, 4 through 6. Listen to this. How much more personal could this be? You see, Jesus, the sinless Son of God, became sin for us. In Isaiah 53, verse 4, it says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. We esteemed him not. He was stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Now listen to what he says. He was wounded for our transgressions. Won't you put your name there? He was wounded for Fred's transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Now listen at this. All we like sheep have gone astray. And the Lord, let, we've turned everyone to his own way. <clears throat> Get this. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus, the sinless Son of God, became sin for us. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 says, 
I delivered unto you that which I received, how Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture. But let me close with this. Now, that's one thing, that Jesus, the sinless Son of God, took our sin upon himself, and he became sin for us. But, you know what the rest of that verse says? That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Okay, it was a great exchange. On the cross, Jesus took your sin and mine. And at the same time, he bore our sins. He was buried. He rose from the dead the third day. And you know what he did? He gave us his righteousness. He gave us his righteousness. Do you know why that's good? Isaiah 64 says, we're all as an unclean thing. And all of our righteousness is filthy rags. Now, that's one way to describe our righteousness, isn't it? It's just filthy rags. But he took our sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I love this picture. When the prodigal son had been in the far country, lived a wicked life, he came back home to the father, and that such symbolism there, Such symbolism there. The ring was a symbol of an eternal covenant. And God makes a covenant with us in Jesus Christ. But the most beautiful picture of all was when the father took the dirty rags of his old clothes, his old garment, with the smell of the pigsty. He took that old garment off of him. And the Bible says he gave him a new coat. And what a picture of us. We come to Jesus with all of our sin And he takes all of our sin-stained garment off of us. And he takes our sin. And then he puts on us a robe. A perfect robe. The robe of his righteousness. And now the Father looks down from heaven. And he does not see you in your garment stained with the wickedness and sin of your past. Because they're on Jesus. But when he looks down from heaven, he sees you robed in the perfect robe righteousness of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, friend, that's why the devil's defeated. He he can accuse you, but you say you are a liar because my sins are on Christ and I'm forgiven and I am robed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I have the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ and you can't accuse me and you can't condemn me and you can't make me afraid and you can't lie to me because I am telling you I am not living in my righteousness. I am living in the righteousness of the Son of God. I ought to hear amen on that one. That's what I got to say when I was writing this yesterday. That sounds like an amen to me. Or a hallelujah or praise the Lord, one or the other. Now, folks, I know that's hard for you to believe. Now, we're to live out that righteousness by the power of the Holy Spirit. But I'm telling you, the day you get saved, you shed the garment that was stained and ruined by wickedness and sin. And God, in his great mercy and grace and love and power through the death of Jesus, puts on you the robe of his son. And from that day on, you walk in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And you are God's. And nothing can take you out of his hand. Hallelujah to the Lamb. And that's the gospel. That's the good news. Not that Jesus saves me and I get down here and say, well, I'm going to do the best I can, Lord. No. He says, I've given you the righteousness of my son. And my Holy Spirit lives in you. And you have the power to live the life that I saved you to live. 
The Bible says Jesus is made to us. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 1, 31, it says, For he has become from God to us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. He says God made us, made Jesus our righteousness. Have you ever thought about this verse? Now I want you to listen to this. It's a very common verse about salvation. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Now listen to this. With the heart, man believes unto what? Righteousness. Hey. If you'll confess your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God's raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, you believe God for righteousness. Huh. You're believing him for the righteousness of his son. Lord, I know my righteousness is as filthy rags, but I'm believing in my heart for righteousness, that Jesus will be my righteousness. Let me close with this. Great passage in Philippians 3. Paul said, now listen, what things were gained to me. I was a Jew. I was a Pharisee. I exceeded all my peers in the law. He said, I was the the, the Jew of all Jews. He said, but what things were gained to me, all of that that was important to me, I counted as garbage that I might know Christ. Why? Listen to what he says. That I might be found in him, not having my own righteousness of the law, but the righteousness of God, which is through faith in Jesus Christ. You know what Paul did? What transformed his life was when he realized that he didn't have to earn his righteousness by keeping the law. That through faith in Jesus Christ, God gave him his righteousness, and he never slowed down from one prison to another, from one beating to another, from one opposition to another. Paul never wavered because he knew that he was in Christ and was going to be found in him, not having his own righteousness, which is through keeping the law, but the righteousness which is of God by faith. I love this verse. You know what it says in Romans chapter 5? We've received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. And we reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Just think about that. We've received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. (laughs) And we reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Let me tell you why you're defeated. You don't know what you believe. You have not received what you believed. And you have not confessed what you believe. Let me tell you something right now. This is what you do. The next time the devil lies to you, the next time he accuses to you one of his demons, the next time he uh, condemns you, and the next time he tries to deceive you, you just speak to him and say, let me say this one thing. I am a new creation in Christ. Old things are passed away and all things are become new. God has reconciled me to himself through his son Jesus Christ. And I want you to know right now that all of my sin was on Jesus. They're gone forever. And I'm standing right now robed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And you can leave right now, devil. You have no 
right in my life whatsoever. And all of God's people said, Now if you know the truth and believe the truth and confess the truth, you will overcome. You will overcome. You'll be more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ.